Hello, everybody. Good to see you all. And uh, good to know that you're with us online as well this morning. So as Daryl said this morning, we're, um, we're coming towards the end of our series on the indispensable help of the Holy Spirit. And I uh, hope, like me, you've um, become excited um, the more we've heard about the Holy Spirit and the more we've kind of just been reminded and encouraged to remember how vital he is to every part of our lives. Um, so this morning, I am speaking on the indispensable freedom of the Holy Spirit. The indispensable freedom of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where is the Spirit of the Lord? Where is the Holy Spirit? Well, hopefully by now, we all know that the Holy Spirit is in us. So where is the freedom that the Holy Spirit wants to bring? In us. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So this morning, I hope that I'll be able to remind you of some truths and encourage us all to be able to celebrate and enjoy the freedom that Jesus has brought us through the Holy Spirit. And perhaps to maybe uh, help us to think about some of those areas in our lives where we need increasing freedom. So I'm just going to pray before I continue. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in us and that you want to bring us complete freedom. We thank you for the freedom that you bring. And we ask today that you will lead us into increasing freedom. I pray, Lord God, that you will speak into our hearts. Holy Spirit, you will whisper into our ears this morning. Help us to know those areas. Put your finger on those areas where we perhaps need to move into increasing freedom. Help us to allow you to do that work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning I want to look at five aspects of freedom that the Holy Spirit brings. So the Holy Spirit enables us to be free to enter the presence of God, to be free from the law of sin and death, free from self-effort, free to be a child of God, and free to be transformed. So firstly, free to enter God's presence. But we're going to start off by looking at the context of the verse that we've just read from 2 Corinthians. So we're going to start off at verse 13. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, 
a little bit confusing, this passage, if you don't understand what Paul is referring to. So Paul is referring to the time when Moses went up the mountain in the desert uh, to meet with God and that God was giving him the, the covenant, the Old Testament covenant, the laws and rituals and regulations for the Israelites to live by. But because Moses was in the presence of God, he reflected the glory of God. So when he came down the mountain, his face literally glowed. In fact, it glowed so much that the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, couldn't look at him. So he had to wear a veil. So Paul is referring to that, but then he talks about the fact that there's a, a veil over the hearts of the people as they're listening to the word. So he's using this veil as an illustration of the barrier between God and man, the barrier that prevents people from knowing God. And he talks about that barrier as being a blindness, if you like, of heart and mind. Now, as we've already said in this series, it's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to knowing that we need a saviour. It's the Holy Spirit who works in us in the first place to enable us to respond to God, to come to him for forgiveness, to know who Jesus is. So Paul is talking here about the fact that Jesus has come to remove that veil, to remove the barrier. He says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Jesus came to bring the new covenant, to bring that ability to enter into a relationship with God through his own sacrifice. So I'm sure you and I are glad this morning that we don't have to be sacrificing animals in order to come to God. And through that old covenant, the people couldn't come directly to God. So Moses or the priests would go into the presence of God on their behalf. They couldn't directly approach God. But because Jesus came as that ultimate sacrifice, what he did was he removed the barrier so that we can come right into the presence of God. If you remember when Jesus died, it talks about the, the veil in the temple, the curtain in the temple being torn from top to bottom. That curtain symbolized, it, it was actually a literal barrier between people and God, between the holy place where the priests met with God. And it illustrated the fact that the barrier has been removed. We are now free to enter into the presence of God. We can draw in near to him. That's amazing, isn't it? So secondly, we're free from the law of sin and death. So I talked about this last time when I talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit uh, sanctifies us. Um, but I want to just remind us of a couple of points. So Romans 8, verse 1 to 2, says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And in Romans 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we may no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So before we come to Jesus, we are slaves whether we realize it or not. We are slaves to sin and death. 
When we come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit sets us free. That's what this passage says. Sets us free from the law of sin and death. We were under the rule of sin. As slaves, we have, we have no choice when you're a slave. You have to obey. You don't have the freedom to choose. But we have freedom. We have been set free from that rule, from that slavery to sin, so that now we're free to choose. We're free to choose not to sin. We're free to choose to be holy. And we're free to choose to serve a new master, Jesus. And we're free from shame and guilt because Jesus paid that price for us. He took our guilt. He's declared us not guilty. We are now free from that. Now, we know we have an enemy who would like to keep us bound up in captivity and in slavery and would like us to stay in guilt and shame, but we are free. We have been set free. Praise God. So thirdly, we are free from self-effort. So Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We've heard this verse before, many of us, but what does it mean? What is the slavery that it's referring to? Well, Paul is writing here in this letter to the Galatians, to the Galatian people who were believers who weren't previously Jews. So they didn't kind of grow up with following the Jewish law, um, they were Gentiles. So they came to know Jesus and they followed him without the background of the Jewish faith. But some of the Christians who had been Jews before started to say to them, well, in order to be proper Christians, you've actually got to follow some of these rules and regulations as well. And Paul was trying to make it clear to them that that's not the case. The only thing that matters is their faith in Jesus and following him. This becomes a bit clearer when we skip back to chapter 3 in Galatians. So Paul says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So what he's, he's saying is reminding them that they received the Holy Spirit by faith. They, didn't, they weren't working to receive the Holy Spirit. They didn't earn their salvation. They weren't achieving that by works, by keeping the law. They relied on God alone. And relying on the work of the Holy Spirit in them is the way to progress. So they started by faith. They need to continue by faith in the Holy Spirit. So as I said last time when I talked about sanctification, becoming holy, obedience to God is important. It's part of our walk with God. It's part of our Christian life. But following Jesus and obeying him comes as a response to the grace that we've received. It's not a way of earning our salvation or earning his love. Now, I know what it's like to feel like you have to earn God's love. Although I put my trust in Jesus by faith, I received my salvation. For many years, I struggled to believe that God really loved me. And so therefore, I felt I needed to work hard to earn his approval, to earn his acceptance, to feel good enough. I mean, the truth is, we're not good enough, are we? None of us are good enough. 
That's why we have Jesus. And I'm so glad that God set me free from that. But, you know, I think it's easy for us to slip into that kind of performance mentality where we kind of know that we receive our, our, our salvation by faith and we know that God loves us whatever, but we kind of still feel that we need to keep working hard for his approval. Maybe we don't have a secure sense of our identity in Christ and who we are in him. And so we are trying to work harder to please him. You know, sometimes that could be because of the way that we've been treated in the past, or maybe we've just got a a really wrong understanding of who God is or who we are. But whatever the root of it, it's not the truth. The truth is that we are loved. (laughs) We are chosen by God, that he loves us. And we can't make him love us less by messing up. (laughs) And we can't make him love us more by getting it right. He'll love us the same whatever. We don't have to follow the law to have a relationship with Jesus. And we know that. You know, we don't follow the Jewish rules and, and regulations. But sometimes we have our own laws. We've created our own set of rules, if you like, about how we should be in order to please God. I must pray for this amount of time. I must do this. I must do that. Or I mustn't do that. And maybe we're not even aware of those things. But the Holy Spirit sets us free. Because the Holy Spirit sets us free from those things that keep us from that confidence in knowing that we are free from self-effort. We are accepted as we are. We have the Holy Spirit because we've believed, not because we've earned it. So fourthly, We're free to be a child of God. So Galatians 4, verse 4 to 7, says, But when the the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Paul was explaining here that Jesus, who was born under the Jewish law, is born into a Jewish family, died to set the people free from the law. He paid the penalty. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. And why? So that we could be God's children. So that we could be adopted into his family, children of God. He says, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God's son. This is the spirit who fills us, the spirit of the son, the spirit of Jesus. So if the spirit of the son is within us, The Spirit calls out Abba, Father, because he's the Spirit of the Son. And that's how we can be convinced of our sonship, of our adoption, of our, our being a child of God, because we have the Spirit of the Son in our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit. He enables us to have that relationship with God as our Father. So Romans 8 Verse 14 to 17 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are are the children of God. 
The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of the Son, testifies with our spirit. That word testify just means tell what you know. If you testify to something, you're telling something that you know. You're giving your evidence, if you like. The Holy Spirit testifies to what he knows. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the Son. So he knows what sonship is all about. So the Holy Spirit in our spirits testifies to the fact that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit brings about that that conviction that I am a child of God. We are free to be a child of God. Finally, we are free to be transformed. Let's remind ourselves of the first passage that we read from 2 Corinthians. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Do you feel like you're being transformed into ever-increasing glory? (laughs) Some days, maybe. (laughs) We are being transformed. Now that the veil has been removed, the barrier has been removed, we come to Jesus without any barrier, we are free to enter into his presence and be transformed. We can gaze upon him. We can look at him. The Holy Spirit works within us to bring about that transformation from glory into glory, ever-increasing glory. We are being changed to be more like Jesus. To be more like Jesus means we can think like him act like him, love like him, pray like him. That sounds a good thing to me, to be more like Jesus. I'd love to be able to love like Jesus, wouldn't you? To pray like Jesus, to think like him and act like him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He transforms us to be more like Jesus. As I said last time, our battle is with the old nature. It's with our old life. But the Holy Spirit brings us freedom. We've been set free, as I already said, we've been set free from slavery to sin and death, to the old life, to the old patterns and ways. So we have to continue to move forward into that, into the new life that Jesus has given us. And the Holy Spirit enables us to be set free from those old ways, those old patterns of behavior, habits, thought patterns, mindsets, that if we're really honest, we know aren't really very good for us. We can be free from those things to become more like Jesus. I read last time when I spoke from Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The word fruit here means the result of, the effect of. So the fruit of the Spirit is the effect of having the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the result of. 
So these are things that should naturally develop as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if we're filled with the Spirit, the result is love, joy, peace, patience, etc. I was, when I was reading these again, it just struck me how, you know, many of the things that perhaps I struggle with in daily life, and maybe you struggle with some of these things as well, fear, insecurity, doubt, selfishness, pride. Am I the only one? Maybe there's a few other people. Just, maybe a few people struggle with those things or other things as well. But actually, the fruit of the Spirit is, is like the opposite of those things. And if I have more of the fruit, I'll have less of that other stuff. And that's exactly what it's about because what we're developing is the character of Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit, it describes Jesus, doesn't it? And so the more we become like Jesus, the more we exhibit that fruit, that, that evidence of the Spirit in our lives. And then that old stuff is less of an issue. Whatever our struggles the Holy Spirit can bring transformation to our thinking, to our attitudes, to our actions. But how do we grow this fruit? Well, Jesus said in John 8, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. My word, that's Jesus' word. His word is crucial. He goes on to say in John 14, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We need the word and we need the Holy Spirit to be transformed. The Holy Spirit activates the word in our lives to bring transformation. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Word. He is the living Word of God. The Bible also tells us that the Word of God was Spirit-breathed, inspired by the Spirit. Now, we've just read that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. So we have the Spirit of Jesus, who is the Word, living in us, and the Spirit who inspired the Word, living in us. We can't separate the Word and the Spirit. Can you see how it, they're not two separate things? <laughs> we need the Word and the Spirit. It's a bit like, I don't know if you're any good at rowing. Have we got any rowers in the room? No, well, I'm hopeless at rowing. I can do the rowing machine in the gym. That's my limit. But rowing a boat is a completely different thing. But when you row a boat and you've got both oars, if you pull those oars together you get somewhere. If you pull one oar, or you're moving, but you're moving around in circles. And I believe that, you know, the Word and the Spirit are like the two oars of that boat. When we've got both of them in action, we can move in the direction we want to move. Something struck me afresh when I was reading this, uh, these verses in John 14. You know, it says the Holy Spirit will remind you of what has been said. So Jesus is saying here, when the helper comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll remind you of those conversations that we've had. He'll remind you of those things that I've said to you when we were walking down the road and when we were sitting with the crowds. He'll remind you of my words. But the disciples, they had to have actually been with Jesus in order to be able to hear those words in the first place. 
The Holy Spirit couldn't remind them of stuff they'd never heard. Now, I don't know what your memory's like. I'm sure there are no other couples around or watching who ever have conversations like this. But I didn't know that. But I told you. No, you didn't tell me. Yes, I did. We had a conversation about it. No, you didn't. I don't remember that. No, anybody else have any conversations like that? No, of course you don't. We have conversations like that all the time. <laughs> if, if I, you know, we've had a conversation, then really we probably ought to remember it. But the Holy Spirit can only bring to our remembrance something that's already been there. So we, need, we have a responsibility to hear the word, to listen to the word, to absorb the word, in order for the Holy Spirit to be able to bring that back to our memories. Because the Holy Spirit needs something to work with. The word and the Holy Spirit together bring about transformation. So the Holy Spirit is indispensable for our freedom. I want to finish by just reading the, the manifest, manifesto of Jesus. When Jesus started his ministry, he quoted from Isaiah 61, and this is in Luke 4. So Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was filled with the spirit, anointed to bring freedom. He was filled with the same Holy Spirit that we are filled with. He brought, came to bring freedom, freedom for the captive, literally those who are in prison, those who are captive, and freedom for the oppressed. That word actually means broken. In fact, it means shattered in pieces. Jesus came to bring freedom. The Holy Spirit brings freedom. Could you just close your eyes for me for a minute? Because I want to ask you some questions this morning. You know, maybe you have never experienced that freedom from sin and death. Maybe you've never come to Jesus and come for salvation, come for forgiveness, come to receive that life, that eternal life that he brings, come to be set free from the rule of sin in your life. Well, you can do that. And we would love to help you to do that. Perhaps this morning you've become aware that maybe you've been following a set of rules that you've created. Or maybe that, you know, you've just been working really hard to gain God's approval. 
And it's become a, a prison for you, really, because you're not able to really enjoy the freedom of knowing God's love. Perhaps you're not really convinced that you are an accepted, loved and approved of child of God. Perhaps you're aware that there are wrong patterns of thinking that you know aren't really helpful. Maybe habits, behaviors that are harmful for you. Maybe you feel broken, even shattered to pieces. Maybe captive by hurts or disappointments. The Holy Spirit sets us free. There were a few things that I felt that God um, showed me this morning for, for, to share today that I feel maybe some people might be struggling with. And the first one is something, it's, it's quite a strong term really, but the word is, the phrase is self-loathing. And I felt that there may be somebody here, somebody watching, and that's how you feel about yourself. That sense of self-loathing. That might be because of something you've done in the past that you feel you can't forgive yourself for. Or maybe it's the way you've been treated and you feel that you're worthless and you have no value. Maybe it's to do with the way that you look and the way you feel about yourself or your character. The Holy Spirit wants to set you free because he created you. You are his child. He loves you. Perhaps this morning you are in a position, and, and God just gave me this phrase, a prison of unforgiveness. And you're not forgiving. There's, there's, you're holding unforgiveness for something towards somebody or some situation. And it is a prison. That's how I saw it. it was, it's like you are trapped in this place and you cannot move forward until you release that forgiveness one step at a time. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to help you to do that, to move into freedom, to get out of that prison. You have been forgiven, and Jesus will help you to forgive. I also had a, a picture of uh, somebody standing on the side of a riverbank and uh, there were stepping stones across the river. And when I was a child and we were on holiday, um, my dad used to be the one who went into the river first and helped us children across. And I just had that image of the father standing on a stepping stone, holding his hand out to the child, the person on the riverbank, helping them take a step onto the first stepping stone. And I just felt that God wants to say to some people here this morning, don't miss out. Don't stand on the edge. Let me lead you one step at a time. You don't have to see the whole route. You don't even have to see where the other end of the riverbank is. Just let me lead you. Let me lead you. Maybe you're hesitant about moving forward this morning. Maybe it's a hesitancy about moving into things of the Spirit. Maybe you're, you're fearful of, of allowing the Holy Spirit to touch you and to fill you. But the Father is standing there to lead you to lead you one step at a time. And then finally, I just had that picture, simple picture of a bird in a cage, and the door of the cage was open. 
and the bird was staying in the cage. You know, and I believe that God wants to encourage us all this morning. There's a freedom that he's paid for. There's a freedom that he gave his life for. And he wants us to move into that freedom to get out of the cage. So I'm just going to pray. And if Daryl, if you could come, the band could come back up. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we are free, that you lead us into freedom. We thank you that we're free to enter the presence of God, that we can come directly to you, Father, because of what Jesus, your Son, has done. We thank you that we are free. We don't have to work to earn our salvation. We don't have to work to earn your approval. We are free to be your children, accepted, loved, approved of children. And we are free to be transformed into your likeness. And Father, I pray today as we come to you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will bring transformation to our lives. As we enter into your presence, as we worship you, I pray that, God, that you will come and you will break down barriers Break any chains. Set us free. Help us to move into increasing levels of freedom in our lives because we want everything that you've provided for us. We want to move into all that you have for us. We thank you. You have made it possible. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live within us. Thank you for your freedom. Amen.